eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yo, it is another episode of High Hopes. Uh, uh, myself, James Seltzer, John Marks, our producer, Jack Fritz. John, you said it, uh, I believe our first episode. When are we not going to say the episode number? It's now. Because I don't even know what episode it is. I'm not sure is. what it is either. So there we go. We reached we that go. point. It's pretty exciting. And one, one other thing right here I want to mention <laughs> right from the top to you. I was on with John Stolness, who is a, a great sportsman down in the D.C. Great, area. And a, great, and a great guy. Wonderful guy. Great guy. Native Philadelphian and does a Phillies podcast called Felsky Files. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's year-round every week. I was on with him, I guess, last week or the week before. And so he's he listens because he's telling me about what we're saying on the on the show or whatever. And he mentions like, yes, yeah, so check it out. Great podcast with uh, with John Marks and James Seltzer and Jack Fritz. Oh, like, hold on a second. Like, listen, I've been, I've been in this business, James. You've grinded in this business for a while. I've been in this business for for a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. I I've earned my billing on the High Hopes podcast <laughs> along with James Seltzer. Jack Fritz sneezes in the business about five minutes ago, and he's getting mentioned. He's the producer of the show. The producers don't get mentioned with the talent. It's a, it's the, a great point. He's the producer, so we may have to limit his contribution to the show tonight. As he's wearing a Trust the Prospects T-shirt <laughs> from John Stolnes and Felsky Files. Yeah, that's true. I did it on purpose. Getting free, free plugs for John Stolnes here. So. Well, he loves he loves you, but. Well, I half kid, I half kid. No, yeah, it's fine. Kid. I'll turn my mic off. I won't say anything. That's good. Okay. I think right. that's a nice talk improvement. To you, talk to you in a half hour. <laughs> nice <so>. improvement. Watch <laughs> the audio. Make sure it's coming in right. Uh, no, Stolnes <laughs> is the man. Uh, definitely check out Felsky Files. Uh, awesome, awesome pod and covers the Phillies as well as anyone. So uh, we are going to get into our third base review preview type thing coming up in just a minute. And some winter meetings action as well. The winter meetings starting December 10th, coming up in just a few days here. Funny story, too, because they're taking place in Orlando. I'll tell you that when it comes up. But, John, I want to start out real quick before we dive into the third base preview review and we'll get to all the news and notes and stuff. But I want to start off with the uh, the five guys that the Phillies uh, offered contracts to. They're five arbitration-eligible players because I think it does lead into the third base discussion yes. a little bit. The five guys, Freddie Galvis, Cesar Hernandez, Mike Franco. 
Cameron Rapp and Luis Garcia, the last two obviously not very relevant to this conversation, right. uh, and also very low cost moves, n- no real issue. I don't, I don't know about Rupp. We'll see. Maybe it's traded for something very minor. But um, the first three names are interesting, especially as we dive into the third base review. Is obviously Michael Franco. The, the numbers will be decided by an arbitration panel, so they've not been decided what they'll get. Looking to be around three-ish million, somewhere in that neighborhood for Franco, five-ish for Cesar, and then seven for for Freddie. All fine. Uh, and, but, that, and that's if they don't reach agreement. More times than not, you actually agree to a contract exactly. before it goes arbitration. Yes. And, and, and regardless, they the, the numbers will be in those ranges, whether agreed to or whatever. The fact that they offered the contract is the main point. And uh, right. also the point that if they're going to trade these guys, they had to do this, obviously. Like if they, you know, there's no other. Now choice they're under here. contract. Yes. Now they are under contract and you can trade them. So I think that let's start with Cesar and Freddie and Franco. Obviously, I think we will get into a second with the third base discussion, but there have been trade rumors out there. Freddie Galvis, the Padres being mentioned by Ken Rosenthal, speculatively kind of. Uh, Cesar, we've already heard the Angels, heard a few other kind of spots for Cesar. Both, as we've talked about, somewhat attractive pieces potentially to the right team. Are you starting to feel a little bit more like these guys might be on the move? I don't believe that there's any real trade rumors out there because what I, what I think, and I'm not speaking of anybody specific, but what you do this time of year is you say, okay, who needs a shortstop? And you look at teams that need a shortstop and you say, well, the Padres, well, the Angels could use a second baseman. You know what I mean? So, like, not that they're they're not talking, because of course they're talking. But I don't really think that there's a there's a hot a real hot amount of information out there regarding regarding the guys. Who knows if it's going to happen? It's going to happen most likely coming up here in the next week or or two weeks or whatever. Um, I still think that Freddie Galvis is going to be here. Uh, I don't feel strongly about that right now, as I did maybe last time we talked about this, which is like last week. Yep. But I, are they going to move him to move him? I'm not so sure. They they may feel like it's better to start the season with Freddie Galvis and you ease JP in to be the full time shortstop and you trade him at the trade deadline. They're not going to trade him just to trade him. It's just if there's a team willing to give what they consider at least close to the value of what they they deem him to be, I think he's gone. I don't uh, know if it's going to happen. I agree with the concept that I don't think they're going to give him away. At the same time. I really get the feel that they want to start the season with J.P. Crawford as their shortstop. You hear Gabe Kapler come out, talk about meeting with Reese Hoskins, J.P. Crawford, now he's whatever the, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but he was like blown away by these guys and so impressed with them and stuff. I don't think that's an accident. I think J.P. Crawford, you know, those are two the two guys who are the most pedigreed prospects, you know, former prospects, and obviously Hoskins proven it in the majors as well, but uh, the most p- highest pedigree guys, I think they were ultimately, when they looked at their farm system, two of the, the biggest pieces by far they looked to build around. I get the feel this organization wants J.B. Crawford starting at shortstop. If Let's say that they, they can move Cesar and they're, they hang on the Freddie. I think Cesar, for what it's worth, much easier move, obviously. Uh, I think a better player than Freddie, but also definitely better player. But also a little bit more of a piece that that can fit a lot of different teams' needs. Position isn't as important playing second base and shortstop. Uh, if they move Cesar, I could see Matt Klintak saying, "Okay, we put JP at second base. You know that Scotty Jetpacks isn't coming up in the first two months of the season, right? So that gives them time to ease him up and then trade Freddie before the trade deadline. Then you shift JP over. If both players are traded, which I don't know what the scenario of that happen who's your who's your second baseman you start kingery it doesn't seem like he's starting season right. in the majors they're gonna they're gonna milk that for all they can 
Then they get a veteran shorts, a second yeah, baseman. I, or? I think if if they did trade both guys, it would be a scenario like that where they sign a Howie Kendrick type guy, to use an example from last year, someone who can fill in for half a season or you know quarter of a season or whatever till Kingery's ready and can maybe play well enough that you could flip him for a piece of the trade deadline. But I do agree with you in the sense that I don't think they will trade both guys, but they could. I think they could. I think that's a realistic scenario. I think they're looking to ultimately trade both guys. I don't think either of those guys is a you know piece of their long-term plan, as it were, so why not get something for them if you can? I would trade both of them right now if yeah. you could get something that was even close to value for I Because, I mean, really, what what... What are you expecting to get? It was part of the problem I had with Klintak where he's, he's like, we'll sign these guys and we'll get great prospects and we'll trade them. It, it lasts offseason. I'm like, well, what are you exactly expecting to get for Howie Kendrick that's going to change the dynamic of your franchise? But I get what they were doing. Um, here, here's what I'll say. that there, You know the, the, the Twitter profile fake WIP caller? Mm-hmm. Fake WIP caller would tweet out about who would play second base, that Chase Utley, come on back to Philadelphia. You're the new second starting second baseman. You can find a veteran guy that can come in for uh, yes. not a lot of money, yes. and do a, a very a, do a more than adequate job, a serviceable job yeah. at the worst. I totally agree with you. It's and an easy position to kind of find and put together. Yeah, one of the easiest positions, at least in terms of obviously from a defensive perspective, yeah. compared to the other infield positions. And look, I just think that you get the feel from this team that they're ready to kind of take that step forward. We're going to get into uh, an interesting name coming up in the third base review more preview there but uh, you know I, I certainly think look would I be shocked if both these guys are on the team to start next season I wouldn't be shocked but I would be slightly surprised I think that at least one of the two gets traded and and I think there's a real possibility that both get moved depending obviously on what they could get back and to your point though about like what are you going to get for that guy I do think you you have to look at it as like you know Hit some singles here and there, and and maybe one of those turns into a home run in the long run. You kind of got to take those shots, especially an asset that is literally worth nothing once that one-year contract is up or whatever it is. Who knows? Like, why not take that shot or buy? You know, get international draft money, like we've talked about, or whatever. Right, Cesar. As Cesar's salary goes up, the the less and less. Uh, valuable he is on mm-hmm. the market because you're talking about a second baseman with with very little power. Exactly, Freddie Galvis on a one year contract, so I don't know what you think you're going to get for him inevitably, and you might be better off if you are so worried about value and holding him until the trade deadline. Maybe he has a really good first half, and a team that needs a shortstop that's a veteran contending team says we'll be willing to give you a a B level prospect. Right. You're not getting a ton for these guys, but like you Regardless, said, yeah. you're going to need to out scout their system to be able to say, hey, we really like this guy and they undervalue what he is. So let's let, let's ask for this guy and get him back. It's, you're gonna need you're gonna need to get lucky. James. It's, it's exactly right. Yeah. The, you need to go into someone's system and say, hey, this guy's good and they don't know it. Or something like that. Ryan he's Sand- underperforming Ryan and here's Sandberg why. In the Yvonne Jesus yeah, trade, he was more or less kind of yes. like the third or fourth guy. I mean we see that all the time. It really does happen. So or uh, like in a Cesar Hernandez trade, I think Cesar you get more for than Freddie Galvez. I don't even think it's close. It's not, it's not really close. Yeah. So, but for like a Cesar, you had to take a shot on a guy like we've mentioned before: Skaggs, Zach Wheeler, Stephen Matt, guys that have arm injuries and hope that they hit here. Yeah, that's another good call too. And I certainly think that if they're moving those guys, they're looking for pitching that would make the most sense. Yeah, in those types of deals. Let me ask you this: When you say that you can get that much more for for Hernandez than you could for Galvis, I mean, I, I, it's. 
I don't know what you're getting for for Hernandez. I mean, what are you legitimately going to get for, for I, Hernandez? I'm Cesar not saying Galvis can, gets a lot. He can step in right now and and hit well for a contending team or a team that wants to get. I mean, he's a good he's a good hitter. I mean, he gets on base 36 percent of his time. I mean, that's it's really good. Right, but my point is that. You're not getting. I mean, what is it, what do you expect to get from him? A, a, B, a B level prospect? No, I think I would rather take a shot on a reclamation pitcher project, which is good, take, a, a shot okay, too. which is fine. But but like Cesar's also, also under contract pretty cheaply for the next three to four years. That's the point. Yeah, he's. Andy's, I mean, five million next year or four and a half or something like that for Cesar Hernandez. It's a real valuable piece. A guy you can have as a starting is? piece in your lineup. It's a valuable piece. I think, at least. And certainly... I, I don't know if Major League Baseball agrees with you, because there wasn't a big market for him last offseason. We're going to see. I think he's, he's... Here's what he is. Semi-valuable. Look, I'm not saying he's going to get bring back a top-tier prospect. My point is or... that Freddie Galvis isn't worth nothing, and Cesar Hernandez isn't worth Giancarlo Stanton or whatever. So it's like, it's got to be closer to where you said, oh, you can get so much more value than than Hernandez and, and Galvis. I just don't know how much value you're really going to be get going to be able to get out, out of either of them. Anyway, and, and look, that there might not be. It, that's fair. I do think that uh, at least for sure you get more for Cesar than for Freddie. But uh, I'm with you. I think it's a, you know he's more, longer under control, younger, all that type of stuff. Regardless, let's uh, let's quickly dive into the third base uh, preview slash review. It's kind of become more of a preview than a review. You know, look, third base review. Mike Alfranco sucked. <laughs> We're done. We did it. It was good. But looking ahead, and Franco obviously on this list of guys that they're bringing back. You know, or at least offering that contract to, and you know, no reason not to sign him for three million dollars or whatever that is. I mean, that is. You know, uh, to to the Phillies is is literally nothing for a guy who right. does still have tools, but I know that we are kind of at least from from when we've talked on the similar page that I have zero hope for Michael Franco long term. Anything if he turns into anything, it will at this point for me just be a total you know pleasant surprise. I was trying to pull up his his stats quickly on Baseball Reference, but I keep getting that. When you get this and you, and you, oh, I yeah. get it on spot track as well. When oh, I try to no. look, you get the yes. iPhone thing and, and you can't get out of it. I know he had a 287 on base percentage, which is horrible. It is. He, he still, he has the fact that he has 24 home runs and 76 RBIs is, is telling in two, two ways. He has enough raw power that at age 25, he's going to hit enough mistakes over the wall. Mm-hmm. He's a dead pole hitter. When he makes contact, it's a violent connection. He he has power. Yeah, and he's quick hands, all that type quick of hands, stuff. Quick hands, and like you said, he, he doesn't walk. He's, he's swinging out of his cleats. And for a guy this young to really not understand the mental part of the game at this point, he's not that young, right. but... He's got a lot of experience for someone his age. I don't know... I don't know what Gabe Kapler or anybody else can do to make this guy actually understand what he should be doing because I'm sure that Matt Stairs and everybody else that's worked with him has tried to do the same thing. I mean, it's not rocket science to get a guy to say like, "Hey, listen, let's watch him at bats. Let's watch what this pitcher does. Let's not swing every time the same way." They like, really have a good approach at the plate, approach. which we've seen from J.P. Crawford and Reese Hoskins. This guy has no approach at the plate. That's the key. It's all about his approach. He definitely has the raw talent. Like you can understand why he was such a heralded prospect and all that type of stuff. It, it's evident. Like he has a great bat. Like he's got a quick, you know, fast bat with a lot of power. He just has zero approach at the plate, and and pitchers just just beat him, beat as, him mentally. As he's been in the league, he's been 
we'll say a regular for three years. He had 304 at-bats in two, 2015. He's went downhill every year as far as yeah, average on-base percentage. He's gotten worse to where he's 280 with a 343 on-base percentage in 2015. He went down to 255. He went down to 230. His on-base percentage goes down every year, and his power numbers have also gone down. Last year, he actually he struck out less than he did the year before, but the walks are right there about the same, 40 walks. And we're, you know, this is the guy that plays – almost 600 at-bats. I'm not ready to give up on him yet, but if a better opportunity presented itself, I'm not, I mean, I'm out. I am too. I don't think the Phillies are for what it's worth. I think that they do. And look, like we said, there is talent there. He's 25 years old. Like I've said multiple times already on this podcast that, you know, and many times in the past, you know, it, you don't really hit your physical peak until you're 27, 28 years old. That that's a you know, well-known thing in baseball, at least in terms of you look at the numbers and history. A lot of guys, that's when they really hit it. So I'm still willing to give someone with his tools and his skills and abilities a chance, especially with this new hitting coach coming in, the John Maley. I mean, he seems like a really legit hitting coach. So sure, that's worth the shot. I just don't think that that he is. You know, I can't believe that he's a long-term answer until I see some sort of something of a change. I'll be surprised, and I, I, I think the Phillies are giving him one more good shot with new hitting coaches, and they've invested a lot of time and energy with him. So I, they're going to give him one more shot if it doesn't work out. They had a quick – once J.P. Crawford came up last year, he wasn't a starter anymore in September True. because you can't keep – a better player off the field. And J.P. Crawford is a better player, or was last year, just with what he does at the plate, and he's fine. He's very good defensively as well. Um, this is this is it. This is, the, this is the last time for me that I want to see Franco. If he does what he did last year, he's not my third baseman in the future, and it's time to look elsewhere. Totally agree 100%. And I think the Phillies are probably there, too. I think they need a, you know, I think they need, will need to see something from him. I, I don't think he has much longer than, you know, a half a season as, as Jack Fritz is, like, jumping out of his pants. He loves Michael Franco. Yes. So, I told you, I was coming prepared with my Adrian Beltre defense. Adrian Beltre's 24-year-old season, he bet at 240 and at a 290 OBP with 21 homers. And then the next year, he had 48 homers. It's perfectly fine. Yep. I expect the same kind of thing from Franco. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm not quite ready to give up on Michael Franco because of how talented he is. And I just want to see him close the stance. That's all I'm asking for. We saw it with Giancarlo Stanton last year. It's a simple fix. Do it. And stop with this flailing open like you always do every year. Make the one simple change. And if you can't hit the close stance, I'm ready to move on as well. Definitely yeah. definitely needs a change, and you're right. And I actually heard Pete McCannon talk about this in one of the doing leading off. I'm following leading off is then Jim Jackson with the pregame show, and then Scott Fransky talks with Pete McCannon. And I remember him specifically talking about Franco saying that, you know what, maybe we he's a, he's maybe just let him be a dead pole hitter. Maybe at this point we're trying to get him to go to the other way. We're trying to do this, trying to get him to do that. It's not working. Just say, go, try to pull everything. Yep. Go do it. So that's where they were with him last year to where you could tell they were they were they don't know what else to do with him. Yeah. And and regardless, I get it, the town all that, but uh, you know, saying I just need to see one thing from him and I get it, Jack. I'm with you in theory, but saying I just need to see one thing from him after 3 years, close to 3 years in the majors is like when am I going to see it? You know, you can only wait so long. And I agree, you give Maley a chance to work with him and see what happens. And I think he's your opening day starting third baseman because I think JB Crawford We'll be here opening day shortstop, but um, we'll see. I, you know. Here's the other thing that, that Jack's leaving out, 
when talking about Adrian Beltre is he had been a regular in the league for yeah. one, two, and three, four, five seasons before. It's a he, ridiculous comparison. Right. Just, no, yeah. if the, he would have just came up and had that, that's fine. But yeah. he was already in the majors. He had he had 2,000 at-bats before yeah. that season. And also, that he's talking about. up until that point, still one of the best defensive short third baseman to this day of all time. Well, and like certainly Franco's at that time, he's baseman. fine. But the point is, is he's not Adrian Beltre. I don't at, think he is Adrian Beltre. Right. Then that. He had a, when he was younger, he had one horrible season, and I think Franco just had his worst season. Ever. Well, that's and and I'm ready to see him again this year. I'm not ready to move on because I don't think you will get value in return. Why would you sell on a guy right now where he's had right. his lowest value? And, and that's he's the point in your farm system. So you put him out there. You hope that a, a new approach and a new manager and a new hitting coach. Pedro Guerrero is the assisting hitting coach, but it's not the Pedro it's Guerrero. A it's a twenty-eight-year-old Pedro Guerrero, and Rob Thompson's their bench coach, but not Robbie Thompson. Yes, Rob Thompson. Um, when there's no P in this one. It's Rob Thompson. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. There's a, it's, it's a beautiful it, thing. It's not that Pedro Guerrero, but we will. I, we will see with. And his defense is he going to get better defensively, James, or as he gets older and, and those concrete feet that he has, yeah, is it going to get worse? No, I think he's going to get worse. He's got an arm. And, you know, I I don't have a ton of hope for him long term. Interesting though, because uh, when you look at third base, I think it's you know uh, likely we all agree that Franco is the starting third baseman open the season. But you know we already mentioned uh, Cesar and and Freddie, and either one of those guys theoretically could start the season there if if they had to. I suppose if you know the moves work out a certain way, someone actually wants Frank or whatever, but I think there is one, I mean, I don't think, it's, it's definitely an, another option out there. I don't know if it's a potential option for this season or not, but the Orioles are reportedly listening to trade offers for Manny Machado. Uh, according to John Heyman, he had the Phillies and, and somewhat speculative as a team that could be interested, in, and, and you know, this is one of those, who has money? Who has a spot? Oh, I'll put them in there, but, but. I've always thought that the Phillies' plan was to be ready to dive in next offseason in that legit free agent market. And the key guy, in my mind, obviously there's Bryce Harper, but I've always been far more interested and far more fascinated by the prospect of bringing Manny Machado here. And the question is, look, if the Orioles are willing to trade him now, what do you give up for a guy who you could theoretically just sign after this offseason? Is it worth it to block him from going to another team and getting in that situation? And then ultimately also, what would the Orioles actually take to trade away the best player they've had in a long time, even if they're not going to resign him? There's a lot to this, John. 2017 had 33 homers and 95 RBIs, 259, down a little bit offensively. He had a rough start to the season then was a monster. And he came back. Still a 3.5 war, which is good for a down year. Here's what I would do. If I can sign him to an extension— only if I can sign him to an extension, I would, for the most part, you have to be realistic what you're going to give up. I would, for the most part, give up mostly anything. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to give away Scott Kingery, but I would give, I'm trying to think of who's their second best position player, prospect. Well, one of the outfielders, Moniak, Hazley, one of those M- Moniak guys. and Hazley can go. Uh, I wouldn't give up. Would you put Sixto in it? I wouldn't put Sixto in it. But I would. I'd do any of the other pitches. But you probably. have a lot of depth to where you could get away because the Orioles realize he's a year away from, away from free agency. So that that there's hurts. a zero so, percent chance he is staying in Baltimore as well. Yeah, and they know that, and they don't want to pay him because they don't want to do that contract. Yep. It's just that the Phillies do the Phillies want to pay a four hundred million dollar contract? Do the I, Phillies... I think so. I, I my worry isn't as much the contract, and I agree with you. I don't think you're making any sort of deal for a guy like this. 
unless you have a guarantee of a contract, unless it's a trade deadline deal. Unless you're not giving you're up that much. And you're just getting a guy, in which you wouldn't be. You'd be, you'd be a renting a guy for a stretch run. If you're making the deal before the offseason, you're doing it with the, the, you know, even if it's tampering or whatever, you know for a fact that guy's signing a long-term deal here, which, you know, would make sense. I think the Phillies would be a, a suitor for Machado next offseason well, anyway if they didn't trade well, here's for him. the thing if they're really talking trade it there becomes a point where they go and they say hey listen this is what's happening would you be interested in signing long term with the Phillies exactly and if they say well yes but we want to talk that's when the GM and the agent and the Phillies that's when they start discussing and they would know really quick if there was a framework that would be there to start talking about a contract. That's exactly right. And the Phillies, for what it's worth, you know, one of the better farm systems, a very deep farm system, they could put together a package that I think is, you know, and it wouldn't kill your system. Would take. Exactly. And on top of that, like you said, I mean, this is, it, 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 I think it would be worth it to take that year away. I mean, the Yankees, you know, if the Yankees trade for him, they absolutely have the prospects to go get a guy like that. You know, something like that. You don't want to let him get in that system, in that team, and then, you know, much easier for them to re-sign him as well. So Orioles also might want, might want to make a deal with you not being in the AL East. Exactly. It'd be great. They don't want him haunting the them for years, yep. you know? <laughs> no, you don't, want, you don't want to play him every many games. You play your division mates. And I know you mentioned the butt earlier with the speculative stuff, but if you remember before last season started, Jim Salisbury came out with an article and said, basically, if Franco struggles again this year, the Phillies are going to be major players for Manny Machado. And Salisbury, you know, I feel like when he says something like that, it means he's pretty plugged in. So it seems like he's been like, absolutely, they're kind of white whale. Totally agree. And and I think he should be. I mean, it makes sense. He is that great a player and, and he will fit a need, especially if they don't believe in Franco long term. It, it's he's, a- on, he's on the radar. He plays an important position. He's young. He has great power. Bryce Harper's probably on the radar. I mean, the top Absolutely. guys are on the radar because the Phillies know they need a, they need a draw, but they need a veteran player who has been there and done that. And again, there is a reason that the Phillies have kept so much flexibility in their payroll the last few years leading up to this season. This is all purposeful. Odebel Herrera, the only guy who's you know not in their arb years, who's under contract past you know into next season. Like there is a reason for all this stuff. They are doing this because they want to dive into that. 2019 class and and make moves and I agree with you I think both Harper and Machado are guys they're going to look at but I also think that Machado was and always has been the the main target I would like to see a hinky move made here by Klentak if he's really this this bright young GM and we've already seen him do it kind of use use their available payroll I talked to John Stolness on the podcast about it yeah the Nikasi I mean that was a great move Hey, you got you got something a top for ten prospect it was for, nothing. for nothing in theory, and who knows what that guy turns into? But can you lean on another team that's looking to shed salary so they can sign somebody at another position? Can you use available salary and get other things in return? Yeah. for that. I and mean, I'm, I'm hoping that something like that happens. Can you get a starting pitcher? With well, that? I mean, we just saw, and we'll get into it coming up, but we just saw the Minnesota Twins do something very similar to that. With the Otani sweepstakes and the fact that both the Angels and the Mariners wanted more draft money and the Twins were like, hey, come on over, boys, and got prospects, legitimate prospects from their system for for international draft money that they, you know, might not have utilized in that same way. They've got legit guys they can count on because these teams want to go after this guy, so... Yep. Uh, I think that's a really, really good point. Um, all right, so I think uh, everyone, three of us, Mike Franco, if you had to guess right now, Mike Franco, you're starting third baseman on opening day? Yes, but not at the end of the season. I agree 100%, Fritz. 
think Machado might be here. Ooh, ooh I really got, got like a that. Let's feeling. go. Let's go. So All right. You, so you like the Heyman throw stuff against the wall? Well, that's I absolutely the Heyman. I don't think it's Heyman. I think it's I think Salisbury before last year had a little birdie, and I think. I don't think I think you're right about the Yankees thing. They don't want to trade him to the Yankees and have him torch him for years. And I think that they really like Machado, given the McPhail connection and all that. Yeah. With Baltimore and Glensack being there, it just feels like Machado's their guy. And I think they might push their chips all in because really you need to make a move like this now so you're more attractive the year after. If you want to bring in all. And this regardless, I, I've always thought like Harper or Machado. I was like they're going after one of those guys, Agreed. whether they get him or not. That's why they're doing this. They they have no one on the books. Like it's they are set up for this. So I'm with you guys. I look, go Matt, Matt, <laughs> Matt Clentac. I know you're listening. Get us Manny Machado, please. Would you put get JP us Manny Machado? Ah, I probably wouldn't. I don't think you have to. That's depends the thing. What else, it depends you're talking what else about you're trading up. for a guy for one year, like. I think that you 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 can find a way to to get a deal without a guy like JP and and, and I think that you know you know what they if, would probably if try the to Orioles do. are doing it they're looking for for I don't think they have a uh, I need a guy who's major league ready type I'm thing sure on they would it. take him but of course yeah this the Phillies probably try to try to headline it with Moniac and then the you know, the Orioles are kind of like yeah you know, we like them but well, we like them but well, what are you really offering? We were talking about it before. You got to hope that the Orioles are one of those organizations who looks at Mickey Moniak and says, "Oh, he's going to fill out. That kid's going to be a star. He's the next Christian Yelich." And not an organization looks at what he's done here and be like, "Ooh, you know, it doesn't look so good." So mm-hmm. uh, it all comes down to perception in those cases. So you know, you hope it's a fit there. Uh, come, we'll, we'll get into the winter meetings in just a bit because that that does kind of revolve around this really quickly before we do. I wanted to uh, quickly touch on the coaching staff since last talk. Uh, Maley we knew about, uh, Dusty at third base. Uh, first base coach still unfilled, but we just mentioned that there are two hires since we've talked. One obviously being Rob Thompson. 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 Not Tomp. Thompson. Thompson. And then uh, Rick Kranitz, the pitching coach, used to be a pitching coach for the Marlins, Orioles, and Brewers, and was the assistant pitching coach last year and has been in the organization for a couple years. Any general thoughts on either of these hires? Um, Not the pitching coach, but I think think Thompson makes a lot of sense. With Kapler not having a lot of experience as a manager, except for the one year in the minors, you have a guy that's been on the bench for a long time. Not too old to where the game is has passed him by, or he's got those old school thoughts of the game. He believes in analytics. Has been next to a guy in an organization that looks at analytics and it's important to him. So I like the bench coach. I have I have absolutely no idea whether Granitz Granitz is going to me be- either. I'm not inspired by it, considering you know. Assistant to McClure is no, not a title that that excites me. I have no opinion. It was a dumpster fire. The whole pitching coaching search was a dumpster fire. Yeah. A month ago, they announced him as assistant assistant pitching coach. Yep. They spent a month looking for almost anyone else, and then they settled on yeah, Rick Yeah, well, it really makes you like, feel— It's a really uninspiring search. Well, it, it makes you feel like a, a, a potential one-and-done type of thing where— the guy that they wanted, they couldn't get or wasn't available, and they're they're waiting a year for someone they like more, and and give it, you know, he gets a shot. Like who knows? But I'll say this, and it's where Jack makes a good point: is that you have a lot of young pitchers. A couple of them have legitimate stuff 
to where a Kurt Schilling came here in, in a trade with the Houston Astros for Jason Grimsley. And he was a guy that had flashed a lot of potential but bounced around in a couple organizations because he was a knucklehead for one, but two, he just wasn't able to put it together. And Johnny Padres taught him the, the split-fingered fastball and taught him how to pitch. Oh, absolutely. And it changed his career. Oh, it's crucial. So if you were able to find a guy, I don't know if any of these young guys I, outside I of Nola can We pitch. always talk about marketing inefficiencies. I think having a guy like a Ray Searage or a Don Cooper or one of those guys who's a legit, legit, you know, like pitching guru or whatever it is, you know, the the Dave Duncans of the world. Like, I think having those guys is a, a marketing inefficiency because they are so much better than the everybody else at that spot, it appears at least. Yeah, I will. There's a couple young pitchers that showed some potential, but I don't know if they're ever, I wouldn't bet on them being long-term big league answers as far as being starters. Pavetta can be an eight, a seventh or eighth inning guy. He's got stuff. I, he's got stuff, but I think he's he's lacking a little bit upstairs. And uh, God knows what, what Vinny V is going to be. Yeah, who I, knows I, you, you can't. Ikov, I, don't, I don't know. I, you can't rely we'll, on we'll anybody but Noah. We'll when we get to our pitching but the, Well, there you go. we got to move on. That. Look at that. All right, uh, real quick, uh, Michael Martinez to the Tribe. How about that? Shout out to Michael Martinez. M- minor league deal. This guy... And if there wasn't the rights to Ricky Sanchez, podcast, uh, that was the best name. Suggest High Hopes is perfect, but of all when when you put out the hey, help us with the name. When I saw the rights to Michael Martinez, I like I died. Like I was like, that is the best answer by far. It was perfect. It was a perfect answer. Give give the man credit because somehow he has remained in a major league organization and really the majors for a long time. Made the for, last out of a World Series. He doesn't. He hasn't. I don't think he's hit 200 ever. Ever, it's he's unbelievable. So bad. Yeah, good for good for you, man. Good for you. I'm getting those major he league does, game he checks. He does nothing getting well. Getting those game checks, Johnny. He might be the worst player I've of seen. all time. Like he, might be the, he might be the worst major leaguer ever. He's, yeah, Steve Jeltz was. <laughs> but here. I still like Let's him. No, he's Steve better Jeltz. than Steve Jeltz. <laughs> all right, uh, uh, non Phillies news. Let's real quick. Uh, winter meetings coming up, December 10th through the 14th, at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin Resort in Orlando, Florida. I actually went to the winter meetings at the Walt Disney Swan and Resort in Orlando about seven years ago, right before I got into this business. It was like I was trying to decide what to do in my life, and they have baseball jobs. They have a job fair at the winter meetings, and I went down to check it out. I, uh, I almost got a job moving to Bowling Green, Kentucky. Didn't take it. Here I am. So you're telling How me. How about that, you, Johnny? You could have been in an analytics department. Instead, you chose radio. Now you're here slumming it with us. You could be Matt Clentak. Theoretically. It was more like <laughs> I was going to be like a sale. Minor league baseball, that's the thing you don't really realize about minor league baseball. It's all sales gigs. Like the whole thing is about selling the nights, the family events, this and that. It's all about selling as opposed to like the baseball on the field is very secondary to minor league teams. It's really fascinating. Because yeah, they have no, really no control exactly. over it. Exactly. Um, so my buddy Chuck actually works for the Trenton Thunder, and he does sales, he does promotion. When it rains, he helps roll the tarp. <laughs> uh, this is true. He, when you're in a well, minor league operation. they told me I could do seventh and eighth inning broadcast because the guy knew I wanted to get into sports like radio and that type of stuff. And he was like, he was like, hey, you'll do sales. This He's like, I'll let you on in the seventh, eighth inning, do some game. I was like. Were you dating your lovely wife at the time? I was, yes. So if you were a single guy, you might have. Taking I might that have job. done it. I might have done it, but I also, you know, I want. I, I thought it was a better move to stay here and get an internship and all that. But it was. Uh, it was, I didn't want to. You know, I was like, I don't want to do this. This sounds awful. Bowling Green, Kentucky. Come on, man. It could have been awful. I'm trying to look up how much money Michael Martinez has made in his. Oh uh, my God! It's it's do, gonna make us sick do, to our do stomachs. We, do we have any guesses, Jack? I'll go to you first. Say like 
five million. <laughs> I, I, I would, oh, it's, I would say more than that. I mean, you figure minimums got to be like five or six hundred, and then it goes up. He's gone back and forth. I would say seven point two million. He has not made that much money. Damn. He made, according to Spot Track, one point four. Oh, that's outrageous. They're wrong. They don't. They don't know what they're much. talking about. I agree. Uh, speaking of money, a guy who's gonna make less than he should, but gonna make some money. Just mentioned it before. Uh, uh, kind of really the biggest story in baseball right now, at least the hot stove story, is the Otani sweepstakes. As the Japanese Babe Ruth is uh, making the rounds, when he ripped the Phillies, taking a shot at the Phillies. We didn't want you anyway, guy. Get out of here. But uh, it looks like the Angels and Mariners. We mentioned it before. Trading for for international slot money. It looks like. Those two really making the biggest push here. Do you have any feelings on this whole thing at all? The concept of this guy coming over and, and him being, you know, pitching and hitting and all that type of stuff. Is there anything? Are you intrigued by this guy? Very intriguing. Uh, I believe he will, like a lot of the other Japanesers that come over, will be a, I won't say a bust, but will be disappointing and not nearly worth the money that is paid to get him. Well, wow! Look at that. Posting fees. But it's yeah, not it's like, not as bad it's not like, like it used to be. The, the big yeah. But besides that, I know he can't sign the big major league contract for a few years. Mm-hmm. Right. But if he sh- if if the potential that is there, I don't I don't believe will. It's not. I don't see another Ichiro happening. I see. Well, I see yeah. a guy that comes over and is uh, he's got injury history. He's obviously very talented, but you bring him on because. It's such a huge story. I being down at the park when um, when when Ichiro came in with the Marlins, you go from having like when the the, the Oakland Athletics came to town, they didn't have one out of town reporter that was that followed the team. Not one. They just had the, they had the major league. They had Todd Zalecki's backup Ben Harris do this game crazy. story. They didn't have one person. Ichiro had thirty Japanese with him. Yeah, no, I, thirty I'm with reporters. You. I mean, it makes sense. And it's, you look at those two teams, the Angels and Mariners. Like, yep. That makes Perfect. sense. Big Asian populations, both those cities. Like it makes a ton of sense, yep. and, and I think it's good for baseball. I think it's fun and great for baseball. And look, I think he could be. I don't think he could be a. I don't think he's going to be a bust per se. And I just don't. I don't see the whole hitting and pitching thing working out well. But I think he could be. I think he could pitch at the major league level, and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and look, I think it's always interesting when these guys come over because I do think they generally have success at first before the league kind of figures them out. You know, Adeo Nomo wins the Rookie of the Year. I know, but, uh, yeah, a few and then others. he flamed and, out. Yeah, so I don't know. I think Matsui was good. Matsui was good, obviously. Ichiro. I mean, there are a couple good ones now. You Darvish, Masahiro Tanaka, both really solid careers so Dar- far. Darvish. Darvish. Well, yeah, the World here. Series has kind of put a. He's had some really good years. In the Jody Mack was. Jody Mack was. Uh, was he was saying to me, "Is just like, oh, you're overreacting to Darvish," and I'm like, "Dude, he's not getting twenty five million dollars a year for five years. That's all that I'm saying. He he's still going to make money. Oh, he's going to get paid. But my point was that what he did in the World Series may not cost him money, but ultimately it definitely won't make him money. It, no, sure. like, if he would have pitched well, he might have done five years totally and twenty five million. As it stands, he might be four years, twenty five million. It, right. it, it'll cost him a little bit, but yeah. anyway. Either way, I agree. I don't think he's going to live up to the hype. I don't want, as him it were. Here. Yes, and I'm happy that he doesn't want to be here. We don't want him anyway. Uh, real quick, just saw before I came in, D. Gordon gets traded saw to that. the Mariners. Jeff uh, Jeff Passon puts that out there, and they're going to move him to center field. That's weird. Okay, uh, but. Uh, you know, out of the the National League East, I guess. I don't think there's any real exciting thing here. But uh, much more sadly, the end of the Tyler Chatwood era here in Philly. Very disappointing. 
I mentioned here Former on this podcast, affiliate. I know Jack is a big Chatwood fan. I thought that was a perfect guy to go get because the road numbers were so good. He looked so good outside of Colorado. One of those guys who's not going to get valued properly. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, the Chicago Cubs and Theo Epstein slide in and get him. Yep. Go figure. Go and he has a .69 figure. ERA in Wrigley. Go figure. All right, and the Stanton deal still on the horizon. Giants are the front runner. Cards and Dodgers still in. You happy the Phillies kind of not in on this? I yep. I'm really good with them not being in this. Last thing before we get out of here. Rafael Palmero returning at 53. Is it happening, John? Um, <laughs> if, if he's interested in playing for the Long Island Ducks in the Independent League, sure. He, I didn't do steroids, John. Oh, you caught me. Crap, man. It, no, it's pretty me. insulting. If you've seen what he's doing and you can see the, the reasoning behind this. First of all, he's, he's a total idiot to think that there's a major league team that doesn't value a DH as it is. They're going to sign a 53-year-old guy that can only play DH. It's outrageous. Uh, and he, but what he really thinks is going to happen, because the, the whole story now is that he unknowingly took some kind of su- substance. Oh, oh, dude, real quick, yes. Is there a worse excuse in anything in life, my dog ate my homework is a better excuse than I didn't knowingly take them. Really? Well, You're a, a professional athlete. You know everything that goes in your body. Don't give me that crap. Well, of course, but there's no rebutting that. You just say, right. why well, I, I didn't know. What are you talking about? But was it was his original— Someone hacked my Twitter account. But that wasn't his original—there was no excuse. He just said it was wrong, I think, when he got when he tested positive. When he wagged his finger at Congress, and then he—I did not take steroids, period. And then he tests positive. I don't think he ever said it must have been a bad test I or, like, I, I took— I took something wrong. Or I took something from GNC. I just think he denied it that he took it. There was no real like at least at least deny. Like back then, I don't think there was the oh man, I went to GNC and I didn't realize it. <laughs> there was just like he was it just was like on the NFL player app. It said I could take it. Well, he yeah exactly. Shout out to Lane he, Johnson. He no he. <laughs> He just kind of was like, no, man, not me. No, that wasn't me. Like He didn't have an excuse for yeah. it. Now he's coming out because he can't get in the Hall of Fame with 3,000 hits and 500 the home runs. The only person not in the Hall of Fame, I think there are only like five guys have actually done that. Four-time All-Star that has 3,000 hits and 500 home what runs. What does that tell you? Yeah, tells me that he played for a really long time. Yep. And he, was juiced, he was juiced as hell for a lot of those yep. years. I mean, if you see Raf, like young Rafael Palmero. Did not look like old. It's like the Bonds thing. Like, you could just tell, like, oh, that dude took steroids. Like, it just is what it is. I'm generally of the belief that the vast majority of those guys did, but that's a whole separate discussion. There. No, I, I think, I mean, <laughs> if it, you'd be, a, you would have been a fool not to, to take steroids if you were playing. Right. So, we are, we are all out on Rafi Palmero's return. Stay no, there. I'd like to see it. <laughs> Lakewood probably needs a DH or something, right? They can bring him the, to the South Atlantic League. That's it. Any final thoughts? Yeah, man. I'm hoping by the time we talk, and we're recording on a Thursday this week, we normally do it on a Monday, so I don't know when we're going to do it next week, but I'm hoping over the course of the next week maybe there's some things that happen because there's a lot of Eagles excitement right now, but I'd like for some Phillies news to come down the pipe and uh, you know, maybe uh, not steal their thunder, but... You know, just get people excited again. Me too, Fritz. Most wonderful time of the year next week. Yeah, it's the buddy. winter meetings. I can't wait. Yeah, I think buddy. if I have one prediction, I think Cesar Hernandez is gone at the winter meetings. I will take it. And like you said, I think things will happen. Uh, maybe not right by the next time we're on, but the winter meetings usually pretty action-packed, and there are free agents out there now, and I think the Phillies start to, to make some sort of move soon, which I can't wait for. Matt Klintak, year one, eh? Let's see what you got year Ooh. two, man. Let's see I what go you got year two. Man, but yeah, I'm with you. I understand. He definitely has to prove it. Uh, also forgot to mention, when I was down at the, uh, the winter meetings, I 
while I was sleeping, I had my interview the next day. While I was sleeping, I somehow in my sleep must have flipped over my body and slammed my face into the side table. So I had a huge gash on my face when I went to my interview. So that was fun. And also, how do we forget? How do we forget Abraham Abraham Gutierrez? The, the former Braves prospect. Oh, yes, that too. The Phillies go out and get Gutierrez, who was a legit prospect for the Braves, and get him for like 500000 or whatever. He was originally like $3 yeah. million to yeah, the Braves. pennies so. on the dollar. Thanks, John Coppola and the Braves. Way to, way to be scumbags and give us some <laughs> prospects. And uh, shout out to the Angels for getting Kevin Maiton and all that. All right, uh, for producer Jack Fritz, co-host John Marks, I'm James Seltzer. Thank you for listening. I hopes we'll be back next time. I hopes. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.